Our guest is boss of what has the potential to be one of the biggest single creative agency brands in Australia. Kirsty Model is CEO of Dentsu Creative. Last June, Dentsu became the first holding company to unify all of its creative agencies under a single brand. Globally, that meant folding in Dentsu McGarry Bowen, Isobar, 360i, and its Dentsu branded creative agencies. In Australia, that also meant BWM Dentsu, Isobar, Haystack, and Cox Innall. That came just four months after Kirsty Muddle joined the company after 11 years as a partner and part owner at independent agency Cummins and Partners. Kirsty, welcome. You're now one year in. Let's start with the big thing. No other holding company, possibly with the exception of Havas maybe, has yet done it. A single creative agency brand. Um, Why now and why Dentsu? I think that, you know, it's a response to, it's a response to the industry. So in part that we wanted to take complexity out of people needing to deal with us, but more importantly, take complexity out of solving problems. And so by removing some of the incidental barriers that, you know, different sort of splinter cells, because they are elite groups, create, we're at re- relieving or allowing people to really focus on the problem. It also allows us to work more holistically as a group, because if you create simplicity within the creative part of the, you know, Dentsu world portfolio, that means that it's easier for our CXM, very strong CXM practice and our very strong media practice and everything they have to work with the creative part of the business and then for the creative part of the business to work with, you know, the CXM and the um and the and the media part of the business. And so really it it's it's quite simple. It is about simplicity and it's about taking complexity out of out of how people work with with us and how we work with with each other. Because there's, you know, that enterprise value that we can create, end-to-end solutions, starting with a creative idea, so creative transformation or creative-led transformation, and then be able to pull very easily and quickly on all the tools that we have and the people that we have across the business, um, you know, is instrumental to the way that we want to position ourselves now and the kind of problems that we want to solve. So first we needed to make it easy. So why do you think it hasn't happened before, either at Dentsu or elsewhere? I think it was because we had we had so many different and very unique acquisitions. It wasn't an easy thing to do. So I think there was, you know, 67 brands that needed to be rationalised into one. So it wasn't an easy thing to do. And I don't think you could do it in isolation of thinking about how the creative component will work across the rest of the business. So, you know, I think it was, it was, it was, you know, it's, it's not a small task. And sometimes when you've got to focus on many other things, those things take priority over this kind of exercise. So, and this really genuinely is one single agency with a single P&L. Yeah. Um, what, what organisational changes did you actually have to, 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 to make and do in Australia to make it happen? What, what went on behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 t- there's obviously the organisation, the operational changes and, you know, legal entity, rationalisation and all the things that go in the background. But at the end of the day, we're asking people to work together. So there is something emotional about letting some of these brands go. For people that have been in the business for 17 years or 20 years, like our Chief PR Officer, Tim Fowler, um, who is unbelievable, 
um, you know, there's there's a little bit of 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 not just ripping the Band-Aid off but allowing and understanding the different cultures that sit in those brands and those businesses and making sure that becomes part of the culture that we take forward to. So, you know, the the the, the fact that we we launched the brand and Dancer Creative and it's got it's got its values, it has, you know, a belief system in and around it. It's not in isolation of taking some of the good that came from some of those existing brands and those beliefs and what we are very good at here locally and making that part of the culture moving forward. And so there were some instrumental things we did like centralised operations, um, you know, re-look at the way and the language in which, you know, we brief and our brand language and think so we had a common narrative amongst us all to make it easy for people to work together. Um you know, but that was that was part of the the initial exercise. It doesn't happen overnight, though. Like we're still we're still working on that. I get we're getting comfortable with working together as as one team now because we're familiar with it. And that you know, it's a, it's definitely you know not a six month exercise. It's it'll take us to the rest of the year to just really find our our language and our unity together. But it it, it we're working on it every day. And you've touched on you've touched on there some of the sort of heritage of some of the existing agencies, which I was going to ask about later, but I'll I'll, I'll go to now because it seems like a a good moment. I you know I I guess when we think about the group, we we might think first of all about BWM, which then means we probably go to the the Telstra ad rabbits um, uh, for uh, the, the 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 Great Wall of China. Um, are you always going to be haunted by the Great Wall of China as the high point of uh, output from the group to this point? Do you think? Oh, look! I mean, I think they, that there was some there's some successes beyond that, like the ALS campaign that we delivered. Um, certainly, their entrepreneurial spirit and appetite for innovation across all of those acquisitions. Tim, not just B, BWM, you had with Collective. Um, you know, ice bar soap. You know that that's that, that's the kind of thing that we'll take forward, um, and you know it will be an inspiration moving forward too. We don't want to lose that culture, um, but there were some good. Like we still use some of the tools that BWM, um, which you've just mentioned, created. So you know, modern master brand is you know part of our DNA, and we'll continue to use that moving forward because it is an amazing branding tool and process. Um, and hugely valuable to us and our clients. So we'll continue to move forward. One of the objections people kind of raise when it comes to holding companies having a single brand is that issue of client conflict, managing client conflict. Um, I mean, I must admit, I personally, that feels a bit sort of old-fashioned. If lawyers or consultants can do it, then why can't holding companies, which I presume is the same conclusion that you've come to, Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's about, I mean, there's an, it's about conflict management as opposed, so we can manage conflict and it's about having, it's about having different structured teams, ensuring that, you know, there's, you know, we can secure data and we can keep information confidential. And it really is as simple as that. And we've had, I mean, I think it is unique for, for, advertising particularly like and 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 media that that we've always sat there and gone gosh in consultancies if you have more than one in the same sector it's it's considered expertise but for us it's conflict but i find that majority of clients that we've had to have a conversation with um are, are, are open open to it 
so long as we can show the evidence that we can manage it. Something you did in February was announcing Dentsu Creative Public Relations, which sort of folded in Haystack and Coxin or under Tim. Um, I wondered, sort of given that that followed the initial announcement, was that a a sort of folding in of PR into the creative offering or a, or a folding out again? I wasn't quite sure where I sat, which it was. I know. So, so did, I'll just quickly touch on on the the Dentsu Creative model, and, and then I'll make sense of that moment. So, we've got creative transformation in the centre of our of our model, and then we have data and technology that kind of helps us inform that. Some of that is very is the DNA of Dentsu when it comes to data and technology, and we ta- we use that to inform some of what we do. And then we have three accelerators, which we believe are modern creativity. So we've got um, entertainment, so creating culture. Um, and that's gaming and that's filmic and it's, you know, certainly thumb-stopping content and we have some great people that aren't from, they're actually more from a publishing side that are sitting in that in that world for us. Uh, and then we have experience, so product and service design, um, you know, digital experience-led capability, which is, is, is a brand that doesn't sit in a static world. It's certainly something you engage with. Um, and that also pulls on the, you know, unique capability that we have through Merkle and our CXM practice and experience design there in Isobar heritage, right? Makes sense. And then the one that you're talking about is earned. So earned for us is is a powerful, powerful part of of um, uh, our model and modern modern creativity because you know it's often overlooked, I think. But there's nothing more influential than media on human behaviour, and it's probably the oldest art. And um, it is instrumental to changing and influencing the way that customers and people think, feel, and act. And so it's instrumental for it to be very close to to the. I mean, they're creative. It's just the way in which they deliver creativity is slightly different to a traditional creative agency. So that's very much sitting in there. Um, it is uh, the reason that we launched again in. Um, in February around the Dentsu Creative PR is that they had some some wonderful brands in their Coxinal, Coxinal Ridgeway. So Coxinal Ridgeway is our Indigenous social change agency and then the Coxinal brands that have got uh, a long, long history in government relations, in agriculture, in some, some very interesting areas, um, is that we needed to make it very clear that those brands and the equity of those brands that are super strong are transferring into this this new thing called Dentsu Creative. So not not assuming that everybody would know. We also wanted to just pay respect to some of those brands and the founders of those brands to be to be honest as we started to transition it in. Um it was it was it, it for me, I mean we did live we 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 hosted events for that for that in Sydney and one in Melbourne, and I think it is testament to to Tim's stewardship and his his impact on the industry, the amount of clients and new clients and people of interest that turned up to those events, um, who were genuinely interested and believers of the capability of earned media and PR um, and corporate relations and what that why that makes sense in this model. Um, yeah, no that. That that makes sense and the logic makes sense. Um, I suppose at the same time, I just have this little sneaking voice in the back of my mind that sort of says, 
what would an agency advise a client that had a heritage brand with a lot of brand equity? Would they tell them to go ahead and retire that brand? A client brand? Uh, well, I'm, I'm using that example, but obviously, you know, effectively what we're saying is a bunch of brands with massive brand equity within Dentsu, which are being being retired, you know, under the Dentsu name. I'm, I'm just not sure an agency group would ever recommend a client does that. Uh, do you, well, I mean, it depends if you listen to Mark Ritson and his view on making things simple, because because it's really about the people that sit in that in that business. You know, f- I think. You know, agency, agency, creative business, Dentsu. It's probably not the. It's not always the. The people are part of that brand, and the people are are, are, are the, what they're buying into, and so that capability still exists there. And I think that's what we're all trying to demonstrate. And so, would we recommend that a a, a client ever um, sunset a brand? It depends on the depends on the problem, but. Uh, I, I think we probably, I certainly have, for clients carrying 52 brands in a portfolio. So you have um, a PR background yourself originally. Um, how do you think the planning process actually changes when PR is actually briefed in at the same time as creative? Oh, it's so fun, Tim. I can't tell you. I love that tension. I do. I love it because... I think it is it is natural for great practitioners in PR to think about culture first and with the immediacy of what is happening now and how do you frame things to the consumer for it to make sense and often that is about timing, right? And so it is a really interesting dynamic and the fact that they, you know, they've got a lot of tools that they can use and they talk about reputation so. Like the reputation of a brand, the reputation of of an individual and a person is sort of going off in a reputation management point of view, but it, it it's true. Yeah, so I suppose where you know where where I've seen PR and creative work best together is I always use the example of Steve Cole when he was a it was URRSCG then, but became um, Havas, and you just saw creative ideas were actually had so much earned media at the center of them. You know, they were, their ideas which were going to get coverage in the media. Um, I just, I, I suppose what I find myself sort of wondering about having these two sort of disciplines so close together is I'm a bit surprised that even now we don't see more creative teams actually have a central idea which is earned media at the heart of it. Do you think, I mean, I mean the, the, I think that's the the part of what will make an idea great is the the gravity that it has around contagion, and and that is essentially the the masterful art of public relations, and it's what the PR team do very well. But I think it's also what our creative traditional sort of you know creative agency teams aspire to do, and I think over time they've become better and better of do, at doing that because they're less reliant on on the TV format to drive to drive the communication for them or or the conversation around ESOV. So creati- creativity being the greatest multiplier for you in, in a market that you can't compete in, again, because your spend is smaller. So I think this is a time when those things are starting to collide naturally. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for those 
to work more closely together and feed off one another or shared knowledge because, you know, Tim and Tim's team have got 10, 20, 25 years plus experience um, with their finger on the pulse of what is going on daily from a cultural point of view that they can now bring that immediacy and that knowledge into the creative world who think long-term, right? So they think they think of like a brand platform that will be around for 30 years. So those two things working together is pretty powerful. So also in February, um, you announced a kind of separate entertainment offering um, under Liam Bagnall. Um, I guess it's been a decade or so since branded entertainment was the buzzword. Um, and maybe that didn't break through in the way that we were expecting it to at the time. Um, what's different this time around? I think it's what we think entertainment, you know, what is Firstly, what is entertainment? Um, for us, Liam Bagnall, who you just mentioned, who we got out of the UK, has got a publishing background. Um, and he has meant, made, made many documentaries. He's made, you know, made people famous on TikTok, you name it. He's just got a different way of seeing things. He's also the only, one of the only people in the room that can say one in, one in four people in the world have watched a piece of his content, which because he's come from, you know, a population with greater scale, when you say that in Australia, it's it you do raise an eyebrow like, is this, is this person for real? Surely not. Um, but entertainment, I think this is we've got we've got three things on our um, in aspirations in our creative engine. One is shaping society, creating culture, and then inventing the future. And if we want to shape society and we want to create culture. Um, we certainly, culture comes and has long come from entertainment platforms. And so it's not just branded entertainment. I think we have an appetite to, to, to create platforms and we have, um, and own the IP ourselves. So it's, it's a viable as the world starts consuming more and more entertainment on different platforms and in different ways. I think we need to start thinking about how we, 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 um, can leverage that the growth in that sector um and then gamification right so that's that's another part of it which is certainly you know the accelerated growth in in gaming is is something we need to understand but the gamification of the way in people engage with communications as well so taking some of that gaming knowledge and and turning it into the way in which a brand can gamify itself is is an interesting kind of tension in our business at the moment yeah gamification is interesting so i'm quite interested in in that sort of space where gamification kind of plays into kind of the wider behavior economics and behavior change how do you think about that world do you are you a, a fan of behavior economics um i'm certainly schooled in it after spending many years working with adam ferrier but but the you know it is it is it is it is true. Like one of the most powerful ways to get people to engage with anything is to to make it playful, and that's the the gamification side of things. And now we've just got the tools and techniques, and they're widely accessible for all of us to start to 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 do that in in many many ways. That it was probably a lot harder, even five years ago, to bring gamification to life in you know in a digital sense and costly. But those barriers have been taken away. So we certainly use. Um, you know, behaviour change thinking in some of our planning, that's that's for sure. We now just have the tools to make sure we're bringing that to life. Now, um, 
one of the things I was doing in sort of preparing for this was, you know, asking around in the industry about Dentsu and where they're at. And, and a really good question a couple of people asked in different ways. Um, how long until we get to see that first bit of work that really defines the new Dentsu creative? Um, or, and, and, and maybe as a side question to that, what's the closest example so far? Uh, well, our chief creative officers have only been in the role for four or five months, and I think most great pieces of work take 18 months. And so we need to give them and, and the team time just to, to to I mean we know we know the kind of work we want to do so we've defined that in our changing changing uh, changing society creating culture and inventing the future so we know that they they are our north star and that's our that's our definition and modern creativity underpins all of that um, you know it's going to take a it we've got we've got a few pieces of work that are in the fire but I think eighteen months is a fair expectation before you you see that big big piece of work that is, you know, defining of of Dentsu, Dentsu Creative's new position and certainly our position in this market. Um, so you'll just you'll just have to wait while they're working on it. It's it's a year in for 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 you in your role. Um is it taking longer than you expected to get to where you want to be? No, not at all. I mean it's a big transformation, right? It's not it's not a, it it wasn't a small it wasn't a small call. In any way, so I, uh, it's. I think we've come a long way in a short time. Um, you know, we launched the brand. We have uh, uh, managed the change. We've got the operational cadence in place and ways of working in place. Um, we will over the next. So we've got our all the all the components of Dentsu Creatives offer. So earned. We have entertainment and we have the experience capability of which we are now investing more into. Um, so we're we're there, but any any transformation I think will take three years before you know. There's a three year horizon on it. First, set the foundations. Two, start to to deliver it, and three, then celebrate celebrate the successes of it. But we're on that journey. We have a three year plan. So you were brought in by Angela Tangas, who sat across creative and media. She's since moved over to Europe. Your new boss is Patricio de Mateus, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who's come out of the consultancy world. Um, three months in, has, has having a new boss, has that changed your mission or how you work? Um, I d- no, I don't, I don't think it has in any, in any way. If anything, I think Pat accelerates our appetite for bringing creativity and technology closer together. Um, and he certainly has the experience to be able to do that. And so you feel a real momentum on us trying to achieve that. Um, and he's been here three months, but we're already starting to feel that momentum and, and certainly feel supported in, in the direction that we've chosen to take, you know, Dentsu Creative and, and the rest of the CEOs that are running the different components of the business. Yeah, it's, it is truly exciting. Um, you know, his lens on technology and his lens on – he has a lens on creativity as, as well. So I really think that he is the right person to bring those two things closely together as a leader. Um, yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's been – you know, it's, I think we're all, we're all feeling a sense of excitement with his presence. 
And I listened to an interview you did with Mumbrella or not, not you know, quite a long time ago now, certainly not long after you started in the role. And I think one of the things you kind of talked about was sort of philosophically where, where the group sat. If at one end you've got kind of traditional agencies and at the other you've got the consultancy world. And you sort of, um, suggested, um, that, 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 now, I can't remember if it's, it's that Dentsu sat in the middle. That's where you'd want to be. Um, how are you thinking now about that? Is that the same thing? Do you want one foot in traditional world, one one foot in consultancy? Well, we're going to we are bringing the two things together. So, so we've got a lot of you know consultants in former consultants in the business, and we have equal measure a lot of people that have come from backgrounds like Danny Vass, Fiona, myself, Ben Shepherd, you know, that kind of background. And then we're playing as one. So the, the organic nature of that means that we're pulling those two things together. But, you know, creativity, which belongs to all of us, will probably be our differentiating factor. And I don't mean a department, and I don't mean Dentsu Creative. I just mean this appetite to... Uh, use creativity to transform whatever the the, the business business problem is will be our point of difference, and we know that that's our our north star. Something else which interests me about the group is, like many, you have you know media on one side, creative on the other. Um, you um, you originally came from, as I say, a PR side, but also when you were um, a, a partner at Cummins and Partners, you 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 were the media strategy partner. Um, uh, how do you see media and creative sitting in relation to each other in the long term? So, just the the PR the PR thing, I spent a little bit of time in, but I was at Mindshare, so that's how. So I was at Mindshare in London, working in the Econometrics division, which is funny to think about now. Excellent, excellent days. Um, uh, I think there's a natural synergy between creativity and and media and that's becoming, you know, more prevalent as, you know, media, media becomes more malleable to creative thinking. And so... There's a natural, um, you know, there's a natural intersection for the creative capability. I think when I walk through, actually, when I walk through and I, you know, are working with our media teams, which I was down there with, you know, iProspect yesterday and certainly working with Fiona on a, on a couple of things, it's, it's hard until you get to trading or investment to really pull the two things together to apart. So media can be is that sometimes the channel is the idea, to be honest, even for the creative teams up here. So I, I think that there's just a natural synergy. The difference is when you get into investment. I mean, there's a different kind of creativity that sits in investment and negotiation, but it's not something that sits in advertising agency world. It's a bit of a cliche to ask about the return of the full service agency, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, is is that day done? Is creative and media effectively always going to be sitting in broadly in two different silos now? Is, are we saying that full service agencies are not a thing or they are a thing? Yeah, that, well, I guess my question is at scale, I don't think they are now, are they? I mean, I, I can't think of a holding company that runs a true 
um, full service agency at scale, but I, I stand open to correction. I think they need to work together. That's I, I, I do think you can't you can't have them in in silos, and they need to work together. Um, and and I suppose that's what you know. In, I mean, that's what an integrated agency does. But would you collapse media? Would you collapse creative? No, I don't think you can. They're they're the, you think of the scale that sits in a, and all the tentacles that sit in a in the in Densu Creative, and the scale that sits in in Densu, and the capability that sits in there. I think they are both very viable, um, uh, but not mutually exclusive entities and capabilities. Something else um, I'm curious about in terms of sort of the organisation and the people inside it. Um, uh, Chewy Chang, APAC CEO, is based out in Melbourne um, from a media background again, actually. Um, how how do the two of you work together? Like partners, to 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 be to be honest. So Chewy has looks after 15 markets in the region. Got a big a big job. Um, and you know he's just he's a he's a support. We're on the we're in this journey together. He we've landed densely creative in this market. Um, well, we believe as as a group, and and he's now focusing he's focusing on the other markets. But he yeah, like we we work as a partnership. I mean he's got he's he's got we've got slightly mine's very market focused. I mean he he will. He will talk to the teams and he, our teams, he, you know, certainly meet our clients. But, but the, um, the benefit of having that regional role is that we get visibility into all the other markets and we start, it starts to bring us all together. So, you know, the team in China, the team in Singapore, the amazing work our Vietnam team are doing, we all start to operate as one and, and, um, Chewy Chang brings us together. Looking more widely at the future shape of agency land generally, um, the 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 coming disruption. Um, I've, you know, I don't know if you agree with this as a um, as a proposition or not, but I've had people argue that um, the, the the rise of AI will have a huge effect on the agency business model when it comes to particularly kind of the repetitive side of production work, you know, a lot, a, a lot of stuff, which is billable at the moment potentially won't be in the future because AI will be able to do it. Um, how do you, I mean, that's only one aspect obviously of what, how AI is going to change things, but how are you seeing the business model changing going forward because of that disruption? It's just so interesting, isn't it? It's true. It's actually it's exciting. Like it's a pivotal moment. It's a bit like when the iPhone launched. It feels it feels like this is a, a moment of 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 like it's an evolutionary moment. I think the exciting thing about AI, and you can talk about the you know repetitive side of it, is that we can now meet the expectations of consumers at the speed in which they want expectations to be met, um, and then we're leaning into that. So we're leaning into it. We're testing it. We see a lot of these tools as instruments, not instructors. I don't think you can take the the human um, influence or the creative influence away. Otherwise, it's a bit you know we'll all be doing the same thing if we asked um, 
chat GPT because we'll be asking the same questions, which is a bit like a pitch, right? So you ask five different agency groups the same question. We come out with different answers invariably, but if you ask chat GPT the same questions, you're all going to get the same answer. And so the human, the impact of, of human intervention, I don't think that will go away. But it's t- it will evolve with it. So we're playing with it now. We use it in, you know, in our work right now, and we're truly interested in how we can evolve with it. Are we fearful of change? No, not fearful of change. We just need to be ready to make the changes um, in terms of our structure, um, commerci- commerciality in and around it, um, as we start to evolve and make use and leverage these new tools that are coming into market at great scale and great pace. <laughs> I'm interested just to touch on the kind of the, the culture of the wider group because, you know, um, this is an organisation obviously Japanese-owned but a lot of Australian heritage. Um, something I've seen you talk about before, Sampo Yoshi, success through responsibility. What what does that mean in practice? So Sampo, I mean, the, 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 we've got this, we do have a blend of Japanese philosophy and Australian influence, that's for sure. So the Japanese philosophy, we've got um, business to business to society is the way we think that, you know, the influence that media once again and creativity have on society, we need to be very cognizant of. Right? So we can influencing in bad ways. We should all know that as practitioners now anyway. Um, and then Sampo Yoshi is a nice way of bringing that together. So good for seller, good for buyer, and then good for society. So those three things need to be interlinked for something to be um, drive sustainable growth. So you can't do it without the participation and goodwill of society. So, I mean, there's lots of ways that we bring that to life, certainly for ourselves in our DE&I and our sustainability measures, which there's many. Um, aspirations and scorecards around that, uh, initiatives too, and then certainly in our work. So, you know, making sure that we're not putting damaging stereotypes into the world. I talk about that explicitly for, for Dentsu Creative. Um, uh, you know, that, that, that we are contributing to, you know, pro bono opportunities, supporting client, investing in clients, um, uh, Sampo Yoshi in, set, in initiatives as well. So we make sure that we're backing that in as part of our value with them. So that's how we bring it to life. And it's cultural ultimately is that we need to care about not just today, we need to care about tomorrow. And I think that's part of our belief system within the business and that we all play a role in making a better world today and making a better world for, for, for people tomorrow. Um, and you, we've got this, you know, one thing that I really do enjoy because you feel like you're making a big impact is One Day for Change. So One Day for Change is 45,000 people across Dentsu on one day go out and we do something together. So last year I went and picked up microplastics on Bondi Beach for a whole day. Um, but we all did something and you just you really feel the momentum behind it and I think that it, that is part of what people want out of their jobs now is to make sure that they feel like they're contributing and not damaging the world. And what might be ways that that show that Dentsu is different in how it does things? 
you know, what's unique to us is our uh, Indigenous communications and social change business. I think we have quite a, um, and we have about 25 people Indigenous, it's Indigenous owned, majority Indigenous owned, and, and um, Dentsu owns 49% of it. But it doesn't sit in a silo. It sits within the creative business. And we're using 65,000 years of creativity and storytelling to inform our version of creativity now. And so there's not much we don't do without listening to the voice of the of our Indigenous colleagues. Um, and I think that it, it's a special centre of gravity for us, particularly, you know, in this year, it's, it's, it's extremely relevant. So your, um, your previous job, you were one of the bosses, one of the owners of the agency. Um, so I guess, you know, you were, you were able to, at, at, at least in part, sort of build the culture and the environment that you wanted to be in. Um, how has it been coming into Dentsu, a much bigger organisation, I imagine quite hierarchical? How have you dealt with that sort of transition? Great question. I think the thing that took me by surprise when I did move over into this business was that it felt it felt really familiar. And whilst it was, you know, it's a it's a whole co, it's a it's a huge business. The leader at the time, Angela Tangus, had a shared value and certainly you look at the the changes and how she drove transformation for this business. Um, she was highly entrepreneurial and she had that appetite for innovation, which is very familiar to any independent agency. She was sometimes it feels a little bit scrappy in change, and it certainly feels scrappy if you're an innov- innovator sometimes. So that that move over with her leadership at that time took me by surprise because it felt very, very familiar to me. Um, she also wasn't very hierarchical. I think that what Dentsu has done was is in that simplification of our model and taking you know any of those incidental barriers away, taken some of that hierarchy out and given empowered you know whoever the leaders are or principals um, with the ability to make change if they need to make change, so make rapid change. Um, and and so I was surprised that. I didn't feel that level of hierarchy when I came in. I didn't feel this sort of slow pace of change bureaucracy that I had been warned about as I moved into because it was the very, very obvious obvious question of, so you're going from an independent to a big holding group. How do you think you'll deal with that? Um, but, you know, there hasn't actually been much friction in that transition, and I mean that honestly. It, there, there has it um, to date. Final question, two-part question. What would your critics say about you and what would your supporters say about you? I think oh, this that's such a good question, Tim. I need to just think which angle. There's probably many things they would say. The, the, the critics, so I think there would be, let's try this way, right? So I think the critics might say that I haven't come from a traditional creative background. So I did, I mean, you know, 10 years, 11 years at Cummins and Partners, which was probably not that traditional, I would say, but it was certainly a creative business with 
to media with media capability. But before that, I worked you know, in Bahrain for Formula One, and then I was at Mindshare in various roles. Right, not very traditional. And so there are some very traditional agencies that have been powerful in this market that I think I, you know, critics would say haven't come from that background. And so do 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 I understand um, and worship creativity in the same way? The truth is I don't worship it in the same way. I really value creativity. I absolutely do. But the way in which it comes to life is different now to the way it once did. And and that is, I think, the value that a lot of people um, and certainly the people that have joined Dentsu Creative see the see the power in modern creativity, which is the way in which it, it comes to life. Um, and I think that's probably the, the, the same answer to the other side of the coin, which is, is um, you know, there's inventing the future and using creativity to drive transformation and new product and service design is, is what, you know, and, and certainly some good energy, Tim, I would, I would like to say that you know, we spread some good energy in here and make people feel good about and excited about what they do. I think that's what my fans would say. Kirsty, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Tim. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.